Linda Tilly, who is the manager at a Christian radio station in Mount Gambier in South Australia. How are you going, Belinda? Really good, thanks. Great to be here. Now, you haven't always lived in Mount Gambier, or in Australia for that matter. You were born and grew up in Zimbabwe. Tell us about that. Zimbabwe. Well, you guys have all missed out because it was the best ever place to grow up. Um, a really privileged lifestyle in many ways, certainly as a youngster. And, and even though we went through difficulties because they had UDI and a war and blah, 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 um, there was so many privileges of growing up in a country that was called the breadbasket of Africa. Sadly, um, a dictatorship and uh, a lot of bad governance, amongst other things, has really brought that country to being just about one of the poorest in the world. Um, at this time, and it's been a long journey for many people, uh, especially the Christians who are standing in faith in that country. We hear in Australia on the news, occasionally you'll hear a headline about something's happening in Zimbabwe. Oftentimes we'll hear that the million-dollar inflation rate or all that sort of thing. But there are some incredible atrocities that have taken place in the, the, the most recent times, obviously, as you say, with Mugabe. Tell us, I guess, just a bit of a snapshot of what does happen, particularly for the Christians in Zimbabwe. Like I say, it's a long journey, and we've obviously we've been over in Australia now f- um, four years. So um, my experiences were obviously uh, four years prior, but it was already um, a very uh, challenging place to live. They're very exciting in many ways, and uh, I often say to Australians, "Oh, I kind of miss that unpredictability, the snotty-nosed children with happy smiley faces who run after you, the informality of it, the passion of it, the the life of it, um, the gorgeous people who live there." But it was a very um, uh, ungodly place to live and it's very lawless and it has been since then and has continued to get worse and worse over the last four years. So we were involved in things like um, feeding the hungry and so on. I was uh, involved in undercover journalism because you're not allowed to be a journalist unless uh, you're signed up to the government and putting out their rubbish. So we did a lot of stuff undercover. We worked with Tear Fund and some other organizations, uh, medical uh, assistance program, which are all Christian organizations working at grassroots with medicine, with farming, with feeding and so on. And it was illegal to do. And we had so many occasions where, you know, that, that God just miraculously intervened. Because can you believe it's illegal? It was illegal and still is illegal in Zimbabwe to feed people. Only specific organizations are allowed to do it. So we would have to smuggle the food <laughs> in to go and feed people who are eating grasshoppers and lizards and trying to grind grass. Um, so just incredibly sort of as far different as living in Australia as you can imagine um, compared to, to, to our experiences here. But very exciting to see God just sovereignly protecting us, sovereignly getting us through you know, different situations. Um, just one little example that I just love because it's like God just put his hand over us and protected us. We'd taken a food drop to a particularly um, hot area that was really hot as in dangerous. And uh, we were doing some filming on this this little skinny little bridge. And just I really felt, oh, let's go down lower to the river where we can get in on the people's faces better rather than above and da-da-da. So off we went underneath and the one guy stayed up on the top. 
And next best thing, the soldiers arrived and they said, oh, we've heard that there's a crew and da-da-da-da and it's not. So he said, well, can you see them? <laughs> and they couldn't because we were under the bridge. We didn't know they were there. We were just carrying them. We couldn't hear them when we were busy filming away. And anyway, they really gave him a working over and then realized they're getting nowhere, drove off. As they disappeared over the rise, we sort of casually strolled back onto the bridge, totally unaware, and Brian's like, oh, you know. <laughs> So so just amazing, um, I think, for Christians in Zimbabwe then and still now, um, their Christianity is real, real, like it is for the persecuted nations, like to get through day by day, to have the faith to stay, to continue on. To We always in Zimbabwe said you have to be called to stay, not to go, <laughs> you know, whereas in most other countries it's all about has God called you to go? In Zim, you need a calling to stay and to serve God, and yet it's massively exciting what God is doing there. So, yeah, we've we've been we've been through some uh, pretty interesting situations, and and I think having that faith makes all the difference. Um, just maybe another quick story um, that's always just amazing again with God's sovereignty uh, in our lives is the lawlessness there. As I said, is quite extreme. And uh, there's a lot of armed robberies and theft and that sort of thing. And um, a few years back, I just actually the night after I got back from Australia, so I was still off guard, I was involved in an armed robbery. And it was just amazing, amazing, amazing God's hand in it because we were actually about to pray for this farming couple who'd come into town because they'd had such a hard time on their farm because, you know, there's farm invasions and so on. We're about to pray for them and um, there was a big sort of kerfuffle at the door and we thought the, we thought it was the kids and we weren't quite sure what was happening. And the next thing, these five armed robbers burst into the house um, with a gun and various other weapons and they're shouting at you. And you know, it's kind of like happening in slow motion. They're yelling at you. Every single one of us, our immediate thing was to start praying and we all started praying out loud. We're going, Jesus, you're Lord of this house. You know, King of Kings, Lord and Lords, we just trust you, da da da. Whilst they're busy, you know, grabbing us and pulling off our jewelry and hitting us and beating us, and whatever. And, and, and you're just praying, you know, it's just like that's the only thing to do is to call on the name of Jesus. And this guy wanted to take, I had a ring on, and he's trying to take my ring. He was going to cut it with, um, you know, the what do you call big cutters that you cut. Um, bars and things with you know like burglar bars cutters and I was just like oh god please save my finger you know because <laughs> he was just going to cut the finger off and god just sovereignly at that moment the leader of the gang sort of said come on come on let's stop messing around let's get the real goods and it was just really incredible that god was literally in there second by second and um cut a long story short they they took away the wife of the guy who owned the house and basically said if you guys don't you know give us the goods she's in trouble and ian of course was beside himself and said god you've got to do something who knows what they're going to do to her you've got 10 minutes you know get it back in this room i didn't know he was praying that and we were all praying away you know in our own sort of struggle and i suddenly just really knew that god was saying you need to tell these men not to do anything. There's two guys there, and they were busy plotting what to do. You know, they were saying, can you get free, da-da-da. And I just said, you know, with more authority than I've ever spoken to anyone in my life, God says, do not do anything. He will save us, you know. And they both stopped dead and didn't do anything. And in the end, the situation resolved because one of the guys could speak the local language, started speaking to them, and actually talked our way out of more harm, though they still robbed us and locked us up and so on. But we just saw God sovereignly again, you know, coming in, speaking, being real in a real situation. 
And so I think for a lot of people in Zim and in probably other countries in a similar situation, you know, it isn't just a set of beliefs. It isn't just a way of life. It is a personal moment by moment, you know, 24 seven conversation and relationship that gets you through the journey. Us Christians here in Australia, when you hear these stories, we have it so easy. Was it a culture shock then for you to come here and see the things that the Christians are doing as opposed to the things that the Christians are doing in Zimbabwe? It is a culture shock. Um, and, you know, I think there's, we, we have a way to go in the West, in the first world, because um, need doesn't press in at our door so hard, so it's easy to be complacent. And I think the great provision and the great wealth and the great uh, welfare system that your country has um, is a bit of a buffer that people turn there long before they'll turn to God. They turn to all the systems that are in place for people to look to for help. And that is is a problem. Whereas in Zimbabwe, there's none of that. Like currently, um, it's the churches. Almost every church is now running an orphanage because there's just so many orphans on the street. They're starting um, play baby centers for dropping in the babies because so many women have been raped. So they're now trying to have a, a drop-in center that people can drop their babies instead of leaving them on the street. Um, they've put in a system called Miracle Mission, which is you basically can't get good medical care unless you're on a very expensive foreign um, medical assistance program. And so now the church has put in a fund so that if anyone gets sick in the church or anyone knows anyone who's sick who needs attention, the money can be drawn from the fund so people can get attention. You don't have to have it yourself. So there's just amazing things they're doing. And another program I was very involved with called um, Farming God's Way, fantastic um, solution to poverty across Africa and teaching people how to farm at a subsistence level by copying what God does in nature, which is zero tillage. And with zero tillage, you need much less rain, you have much higher success rates, and you don't need a lot of skills or education to get it right. So that is exciting. But I think what's exciting in Australia is because the ground's harder, um, I think the ploughing in and, the, and, and what you have to do to get the results is harder and it often seems like there's no result. Um, I think that it's still white for harvest. There's still so much opportunity um, to get there um, if, we, if we just start to see with God's eyes past the apparent complacency, past the apparent lack of interest um, and to stir up the folk that are in the church to understand they have a role in meeting the need because the need isn't just the practical stuff which all your systems meet, but it's a spiritual need and a cry for for God that's really underlying it all. Tell us a bit about your years as a journalist in Zimbabwe. You mentioned that you were an undercover journalist um, because of the fact that the, the whole political situation that was there. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, Were there some situations where you felt conflicted in terms of you know, you were instructed to do something that your conscience couldn't allow you to do. What were some of the, the situations that you went through then? Oh, there are definitely many times there, um, I think not even just for undercover journalists, but for Christians as a whole living in a corrupt third world country, you can't even buy fuel without breaking the law because you're not supposed to buy anything on the black market, but you can't get it anywhere else. Um, so right across the board in Zimbabwe as a Christian, there's so many conflicts. Uh, and we used to have endless kind of church meetings and preaching and discussions on how how do you as a Christian stand in a very corrupt society that uh, actually is openly operating corruptly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's the okay way to do it. Certainly as a journalist, many, many lines that you, you have to 
stop and say, are we going to cross this one or not? And a lot of occasions where we had to say, um, this could mean, I remember the one time my mom saying, but why do you have to go and do this? We were, we were going to go and film in a particular area. And again, we were doing a food drop and it was a very dangerous um, area to go. And at the time, at a government level, they were denying the hunger situation, and we were basically doing the opposite. We were filming to show the hunger situation to raise the help uh, internationally. In fact, it was what that film that we released is why I ended up in Australia because I needed to be out the country after that happened. But um, I remember that morning, sort of as we were packing up the car and hiding the cameras and things, thinking, "Do I really want to do this? Am I really ready to count this cost? You know, what if?" we get beaten up for this what if we end up in jail for this you know deep breath <laughs> heaps of praying um and and yeah so there was many times that we had to ask that question but as i say it wasn't only us as journalists christians as a whole we had a, an occasion where we were um doing what was happening right across the continent of africa sending this um banner of prayer up the highway of holiness the opposite direction of how the blood guilt and sin and different things came into Africa. And you're not allowed to meet on streets in big groups and you're not allowed to, you know, stand on the border of the bridge and you're not allowed to do this and not allowed to do that. And those were the things the Lord showed us to do in carrying this banner through our nation to pass it on to the next nation. And uh, in particular, um, the Lord showed us to call the pastors to pray at the gates of the city. So every single road that came into the city on the outskirts of it, we had a group of pastors in that area praying with their people at the airports, at the train stations, at the I, um, IP places, any, anywhere that anything, information or people could come in or out. And all those things were places you're not allowed to meet. And, you, you know, it's, and we, we, we spoke to some lawyers about, well, what do we do if we get into trouble? And so on. So we had our, our backup plan there. But still really, really scary. And again, at the one particular area, there was they were having a, a Zona PF rally, which is Mugabe's party, on like right where we needed to go and have our thing. And so the pastors phoned me and said, well, Belinda, do we have to go and do it there? Why don't we just do it in that church nearby? And I said, well, you know, you're the, you're the pastors, you're the elders of the city, but I know that when God gave me the vision, which I've shared with you, and I'm just the messenger, he showed me that we must do it on the roads. You know, so I'm going to the road. You you decide what you want to do. So anyway, they all agreed we'd go. And of course, I hung up the phone from that conversation and thought, "Am I mad in the head? I'm not this like superhero woman. I'm just a, I'm just a girl. I'm just a I'm, I want to do this." <laughs> and yet, again, an example of how God is in the details and He cares. Um, I rang up my friend who I sometimes prayed with and we'd been at Bible school together and, and I said, oh, this is what's happened and now I'm terrified. I want to phone them back and tell them let's meet at the church. I can't do this. This is too hard. And I was having a real panic attack. And she said, I'm coming over. So she came over and she said, God's just told me it's time to tell you. When we met at Bible college three years ago, at the very first meeting we were in, he shone a light on you, uh, to her, not to anyone else. And he said, you're to pray for this woman. You're to keep her back because she's going to need it. And when it's the right time, you're to tell her, but you're to start praying now. So that had been more than three years prior. And she had been praying all that time. And she said, you know, God told me today to tell you this, that he's got your back and he's had it long before this day came. So we went, we did the, the thing. We weren't arrested, but some other pastors were and ended up in jail for 11 days. So it was a very real threat wasn't sort of something maybe-ish but again you know god just unbelievably faithful and sovereignly leading the way and, and going before us so 
um, many occasions where, where, you know, you did have to really <laughs> dig deep and, and call on the Lord and say, I've only yeah. got a seed of faith. Can you increase it? Because, you know, don't have enough in this in this one. <laughs> Can you give me some more, please? Yeah. So, yeah. But I think there's a lot of Zimbabweans doing that right now and doing it tough right up to today. Do you think you'll ever go back and live in Zimbabwe? And would you like to? I would go at a drop of a hat. Um, I don't know that my family would. My son and uh, my daughter love it here. They're 20 and 16, and we've now got a little Aussie baby who's 21 months. Um, but I would go in a drop of a hat. And even now, you know, just to really um, ask people listening, if you are listening today, you know, pray for the Christians in Zimbabwe. We, it really is a calling to stay there. They do it tough. But, man, they're doing exciting things with, with these orphanages, with the different things they're doing. And I believe God is going to bring change in Zimbabwe ultimately, and I believe you know, good things are going to come. But in the interim, there's a, it's tough. They don't have water quite often. They don't have electricity quite often. They don't have postal services. They can't afford the food. You know, we're talking right across the range, wealthy people right down to the poorest of the poor. Um, but I would definitely go back, whether we'd ever live there, it's up to God. I wasn't too impressed that he sent us to Australia, though we love it now that we're here and we're excited to be a part of what he's doing, you know, in Australia. So I hope we can go back. Well, all the best for, for your time here. I know you're doing some big things for God here as well, I guess, just going wherever he calls you to be. Um, and I guess, yeah, as you say, we do just need to be praying for the people in Zimbabwe and similar nations around the world that are really doing it tough and be uh, thankful for the situation that we do have here in Australia. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to download this interview, just go to www.historymakersradio.com. There you can also find links to Facebook and Twitter, and also you can make a donation if you'd like. I'm Matt Prater. Have a great week.